This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Laura Lane. And I'm Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is focus on your intentions on your intentions hmm. hmm also in the lineup we are talking about what's new in dating news the one word that can screw up an apology and why your phone might be ruining your relationship then we are diving into the mailbox to answer your listener questions but first we want to welcome this week's guest he's a relationship expert a holistic mindset coach an acupuncturist to the stars who has worked with celebrities including Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union he's the author of unlearning stress creating an easier healthier more balanced life and he is my own personal guru what i would call perhaps a sensei am i saying that right sensei i think so anyways welcome to the podcast james Rohr. thank you so much happy to be here i'm so excited to have you on i feel like i've, I've heard a lot about you james I've, i feel like Uh-oh. i have yoda in the room <laughs> no pressure no pressure um okay so i started coming to you for a little you know tmi i started coming to you i had like some hip pain i had gone to like physical therapy for for like i had it for like seven years and he's the only person that like magically cured it but soon our acupuncture sessions kind of turned more into like a therapy session where i would talk about my life my relationships and any advice that i've gained and wisdom uh has been from a year and a half under the guidance of james Roar. but how did you go from acupuncturist to relationship expert Right. So I've had um, all sorts of women come to my practice and they would come in with anxiety, irritable bowel, migraines, insomnia, all this stuff. And I quickly realized that after asking a couple of questions, all of their symptoms were exasperated uh, or caused by their relationship stuff. And so it's certainly great to get people comfortable. You know, you take, use the needles and get the pain to go away for a little while. But if they weren't addressing their relationship status, they, the pain would come back. The issues would come back. And so I said, we got to take this to the next level. Wow. It's like the mind-body connection. Completely. So how did you start like learning patterns and realizing that there were patterns in what you were seeing with your patients? Yeah, that's a great question. Chinese medicine is awesome because they have all these different assessments and understandings of qi flow and energy and constitution types. And so even by looking at someone's tongue, I can have a pretty good idea of what happens with their energy and how they might be showing up in relationships. Really? Oh my God, show him your tongue. I, obviously, my instinct <laughs> is to stick my tongue out at you. Uh-oh. Should, if, I, if I stick my tongue out, can you tell me what's up? I will do my best. Can you tell me everything about myself? <laughs> okay. Stick your tongue out. Uh-huh. Yeah. So your tongue... Oh no, that was not good. Are we ready? So <laughs> your tongue is, is pale. So is pale. Um, let me take another look. Okay. Hold on, I'm going to swallow. Hurry. Right. So the good news for your tongue is that there's no cracks. A lot of people have uh, cracks in their tongue, especially if there's like a crack in the middle. That tends to mean that they tend to be overly caretaking. Uh, and so for people who are like really analytical, but your tongue is just pale. So a nice tongue should be like beautiful and pink. And like when you look at it, it should be like, yeah, that's a nice looking tongue. But your tongue is more pale. So if someone with a pale tongue tends to be, do you want me to disclose all this stuff? Yeah. yeah. Okay, you yeah. can tell me, you can tell Listen, me if, it's, if it's right. I'm, I, I'm fucked up. <laughs> tell me, how, tell me no. what my tongue says about my fucked we're, upness. We're pretty open on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, someone with a pale tongue tends to feel um, unsupported. So mm-hmm. there's like an energy there. The Chinese refer to it as the blood, but it's not really your blood. It's this energy that's, um, that's calming, that's supportive, that's grounding, that's nurturing. So somebody with a pale tongue is going to tend to like vacillate a lot. They're going to be in a lot of places of insecurity, wondering like, is this real? Is this real? They sort of pinball back and forth. Um, and it can be hard to like make uh, like a strong decision because they just generally feel ungrounded. What if I'm not supporting you? What if what if it's well, our relationship? Wait, so that's my next question though. Is it like a mood ring? Like, does my tongue change depending on like like in an out two hours from now if I feel differently? What would my tongue change, or is it more of a long term thing? Like, it's like a overall right. So like the, generally feeling unsupported. There's one part of the tongue that can change pretty quickly, and that is um, the tongue coating. So sometimes when people are getting sick, if you get feel like you're getting a cold or a flu, if you get stomach uh, upset or like food poisoning, your tongue coating will get really, really thick like right away. But most of the stuff, like a pale tongue or someone's mm-hmm. got a bunch of cracks in the tongue, sometimes the tongues are really red, um, especially if the tip is red. Uh, that's going to take a longer time to change. 
So we're talking about it could be um, a few weeks to months to years, depending on how proactive you are. So do you what? feel unsupported? I mean, not to get like f- f- free therapy right now. But <laughs> 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 what what could I do? What do I do to feel supported? Right. So, um, you know, Chinese medicine has all sorts of herbs and acupuncture. But from the mindfulness standpoint, um, taking time to do some deep breathing is going to be really important. I'm a big fan of affirmations. Just reminding yourself that you're safe, that you're grounded, that you're nurtured. Um, as cheesy as this may sound, it's like, you know, that you're enough and reminding yourself that you're enough because your body is, your tongue is telling me that your body is feeling kind of deficient. This is exactly what our acting teacher has told Angela too. This makes a lot of sense. Wow. You keep hearing this repeating from the gurus in your life. Okay. Can I do my tongue now? (laughs) Just one more, one more thought with Angela is that, so in relationships, what'll happen is, um, you may start looking outside of yourself for validation. And so that's something to really watch out for where you can like circle back around and you have to feel really good about where you're at within yourself. Otherwise you start creating these like kind of weird codependent dynamics. Totally. And nobody wants that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I totally agree. Does that feel true to you? I definitely feel like I wasn't able to get into a good relationship until I was like at peace with myself. So like that makes sense. Like I've tried to avoid codependent things. Mm Mm-hmm. So, but I now I think I'm good. I agree. You're like at but, a state where you're like, I am enough. I am enough. You're like, but learning that I, mantra. lately though, I would say in this last year though, I've, I've, I've had some like, am I enough moments? So and it's reflected it. on your tongue. <laughs> Taking its toll on it's my tongue. It's not your fault. It's your tongue's fault. Okay. <laughs> my, Laura, my Laura is sticking her tongue out. Yeah, so your tongue looks pretty good because you've been seeing me for a while. So. <laughs> there you go. Man. I got a perfect tongue. I've been seeing him for a year and a half. So to be fair, I've never done acupuncture, and <laughs> I'm not so good at breathing, and I don't do daily affirmations. So I'm not doing the work. You got to put in I the gotta work. Do the work. I, I I try to put in the work. I, I went to yoga last night. It was like a hour and a half walking meditation you gotta you gotta do these things you're a very healthy person mentally and physically i try (laughs) it's a work in progress so i i have a question more on the relationship expert end of things Mm -hmm. i would say the most common email that we get from girls is just like this general feeling of hopelessness like girls that are like i'm doing everything i think i'm supposed to be doing i'm on every single app um i go out to bars and like trying to talk to people and yet i just can't meet somebody or when I do meet somebody it doesn't work out I get ghosted um what would what would you say to those women like what could they do differently yeah I mean that's a huge part of the work that I do with people and ultimately a lot of it comes down to mindset I'm a big believer that it's not so much about you know the apps that you're on and you know um where you're going out obviously the caliber of person you're going to meet at a steak house is going to be very different than at a dive bar at three in the morning yes um so you know beyond the sort of the obvious things a lot of his mindset you know do you really believe that you deserve love do you really believe uh that you can call this kind of great relationship into your life and a lot of people say that they're doing everything but they're not and if they really sort of scan themselves and do the soul searching uh they'll realize that they're they're blocked and they need help what kind of help well, a lot of it is you know, affirmations can be great. Um, sometimes they have to take a look at, at who are they getting their advice from. So one of the things that I see with a lot of the women that I work with is they get advice from way too many people. Uh, we have a whole chapter on that. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah, <laughs> we do. yeah, yeah. And so it's like it's a problem. You know, you have to sort of sort out like who are you going to listen to, who is, and and really to surround yourself with people who are going to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we find that a lot where people will ask their mom, they'll ask their like six best friends and they'll ask their hairdresser, they'll ask like some random store clerk. And and what they really are trying to do is they're they're not really wanting advice. They're waiting for the advice that is the answer that they already want to do. Like it, right. they'll say they like should want- I should I text this guy back? And like 7 out of 8 people will tell them no and you get the one person that says like, "Yeah, you should," even though like he's clearly dating like 10 other women. This is a one <laughs> right. example. And and you're they're not really searching for the like you say, the people they should be surrounding themselves with. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah they just want confirmation of what they want to believe. Yeah. Um, James, I read that you get a lot of women who are what you call empaths, women who are mega feelers and complain that they give and they give and they give and get nothing in return or they only attract narcissists. Why is this a reoccurring theme? I think by nature, a lot of women, their instinct is to give. 
Uh, the problem is when they, with relationships when they go in and they start giving and giving and giving, especially if their whole identity is wrapped up in giving. Uh, if you only feel good about yourself when somebody receives what you have to give, then you're automatically creating this relationship where the, you need the other person to be a taker. You need them to take from you. Otherwise, you're not going to get any validation. And so if you're getting zero validation, you're probably not going to stay in the relationship. But when somebody receives and they take from you, these women tend to feel really good until eventually they realize that they're not getting anything back. And that's when the resentments start to pile up and they create all sorts of, of issues there. And so the work for them is to try to uh, go into a relationship with an open heart and to give, but not to give too much and to realize that their value is both in what they give and receive. I've noticed what I used to do, which was a problem, was that I, I didn't mean to, but I would do like tit for tat kind of thing where it would be like I did this and then I have these like expectations instead of giving like openly because I genuinely just like wanted to give and didn't expect anything in return. And so like the energy that I was putting out there was that I was doing things for guys like, I don't know, buying them a shirt or whatever it is. And I was like expecting to get something else back, whether I like acknowledge that or not, instead of just like giving because I wanted to give. And like when I give because I am without expecting something back, maybe you don't get something back immediately, but you do later on. And like, it was just, I don't know. I'm not explaining myself right. Well, but like the tit for tat is like the worst way to do it. Isn't that kind of like the love languages too? We've kind of talked about that before. Like some people uh, express their love by giving, but not everybody like, feels love by receiving gifts you know oh like yeah i gifts guess are a part of the love language yeah 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 some people um so like what you were doing like giving gifts all the time you felt like that was you expressing like i love this person but they might they might not be a gift been, giver yeah like i wish you would be doing this other thing like i wish you were like talking to me or whatever or know. yeah like doing favors for me or right whatever it is yeah like my friend my friend recently told me like she's definitely a words of affirmation love is like her love language like she needs right. words of affirmation and she recognized that her b new boyfriend is definitely like a spending time with the person is yeah. like his language of love yeah, it's interesting with the with the giving because a lot of the work I do with women is is precisely that is to say when you're giving a gift and whether that's a compliment or a t-shirt or something, is it really a true giveaway or is it a gift with with strings attached, you know, or with a hook where you're looking for something in return, and you know then that's no longer really a gift. Now you're kind of playing a game, and then you you know that creates all sorts of of issues. So if you're going to give, if someone's an empath and they love to give, just make sure that you are giving freely without looking looking for something in return. Hmm. Good advice. Um, we also find that a lot of women that listen to our show have kind of a checklist of what they're looking for in either a guy or a girl um, and what they want, what they do want. Do you recommend that? I think it's great to know what you want and to have standards. The problem with the checklist is when it takes over a date or when it takes over all of the thinking. So a big part of, especially early in dating, you want to feel the person. You want to see them and be really present in the, the meal or the time you're spending together. And if you're really obsessed with your checklist and you're only listening for does this check this box or does it not, um, you're totally missing the moment and you're missing all these other cues that the person is showing you or telling you um, about whether or not they're going to be a good fit for you. But if you're only listening for certain things and you're so far ahead in the future or you're thinking, oh, I hope they're not like the last guy that I just dated, then you're really missing all the information in front of you one thing that i i notice that um a lot of my friends fall into these patterns and i've fallen into these patterns too is that they have all these expectations in their head that that the guy never knows about so they have like this rule rule book and these rules that they these like mantras they tell themselves like if he really liked me he would invite me to come on his guy's night with his friends or if he really liked me he would text me to say good night before he goes to sleep or if he really liked me and it's this like insecure thing but it's these like rules they have so then they convince themselves that the guy doesn't like them when I'm like no he definitely likes you like he's like hung out with you like three nights this week and like calls you but like he's allowed to have a guy's night with his friends and, and like I tell them these things but they don't they, where, where do you think people go wrong and, and you want to set yourself, you want to set standards for yourself, but where do people go wrong when they have this like rule book and it's like a rule book that only one person is following, you know? Yeah. Where they go wrong is not sharing what the rule book is. 
you know, otherwise you're just setting yourself up to be disappointed or to feel betrayed or abandoned or ignored or whatever. Um, so if you have certain things that you like, just tell the person, just be like, Hey, like if you're going out with guys night, totally cool. It'd be great if you just sent me a text beforehand or like check in or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, or texting good morning or good night or whatever. Um, but you have to share the rules, you know, otherwise you're just kind of playing a game by yourself uh, and that rarely works out well. I think so many women get scared about like, especially early on in a relationship, like, Oh, I don't want to like, I don't want to think I'm like too intense and like scare him away with like rules. But I think it's all about like how you say it. Right. It's like, yeah. And a lot of it has to do with what's the intention behind it. Um, Uh you know, so if you're going into, if you, if you're telling somebody something because you're just mortified and totally afraid, uh, then they're going to feel that energy. And so, but if you go into it with, Hey, this is what I need to take care of myself. And if we're going to go any further, you don't have to tell them this, but if you're thinking, if you're going to go any further, I need you to sort of honor and respect where I'm at. And you're doing it out of a place of like positive self care instead of like fear and like, Holy shit, what's going to happen. Um, can we swear on this? Oh yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. One thing I, I was reading, there was a, I love like the modern love column in the New York Times. And I, I read one recently, I think it might've been an old one, but I just found it from, it was like an animal trainer and she decided to use the same techniques that she used on animals for her boyfriend. And it was mm. basically, she realized that like with animals, the only thing that works is positive reinforcement. Like yelling at them or like telling them you didn't do this like, like giving them a treat get, yeah none of that works like positive reinforcement was like the only thing that worked but the other big thing that she said was that like instead of like you know condemning or yelling at the behavior you don't like she would ignore it so her example was she had this like boyfriend that like always lost his keys and it'd be like this big thing and he'd get all worked up and she'd be like helping him find it and she was like coddling that behavior so now when he would lose his keys she just like ignored it and he'd be like oh where are my keys and she would just like be reading her book and like ignoring the behavior and like pretty soon like I guess he stopped losing his keys I don't know how it like helped him lose the keys but like he she was like I guess supporting that behavior I don't know I found it really interesting I've honestly I've honestly started applying some of that I ignore the behaviors that I don't like and then if like Nick does any like little thing like uh like ask you know says hey i'm getting food do you want something while i'm like away i'm like oh that's so nice that you thought of me i like really try to um like really try to give like positive reinforcement to like any little thing like if he brings home flowers i'm like oh i love the flowers they're amazing where as i've heard stories from friends that are like both of my roommates got flowers the other week and i didn't get any i'm like well then if you get flowers you're just gonna feel like shit because he got them for you out of guilt right right Nobody wants it, guilt flowers. Anyone, no, that's definitely making sense. Yeah, that's an approach I haven't tried. I feel like we're conditioned not to be that way. I don't know. Maybe we're all just very negative, so we harp on the negative. Yeah, that doesn't work out very well. <laughs> James is all about <laughs> focusing on the positive, even reframing questions. Like he won't. He we were talking about this the other week, which you can elaborate on about how you were saying instead of instead of looking at a guy and saying what do I not want in a person you should say, what do I want in a person? And I was doing it with friends. I was like, what are the type of friends that I don't want to surround myself with anymore? And he was like, instead of that, instead of thinking of it that way, why don't you say, what are the type of people I do want to surround myself with? And it really did just like rewire the way my brain was thinking into a positive perspective. Yeah, it's amazing. So the brain will follow whatever question you ask it. So if I ask you something very general, like how's your day going? Your brain is going to start searching for the answer of how's my day going? But then if I say, what's been the worst part of your day so far, your brain is going to go hunting for that answer. And on the other side, if I say, what's the best part of your day, you know, or you smile more mm-hmm. and you start thinking exactly what is the best part of my day. Um, so in order to get yourself out of some slumps, one of the things to do is just start asking yourself better questions. Start asking yourself questions that are going to lead you to searching towards where you want to be. What are some of the questions that women should be asking themselves and reframing the way they approach dating? I think celebrating the little victories is important. So if somebody's been really, um, you know, gun shy and had bad luck, if you get out there on a date, even if the date itself is like horrible and tanks, at least you got out there and did it. And so celebrating all the little victories, or maybe you reached out to somebody or you, you know, responded to an email or you went on Bumble for a little while or whatever, um, celebrating all those little victories, because really the key to great relationships is the little stuff. And that's where what you were doing with the flowers and like celebrating, um, is really important. You know, it's like, if you can get anywhere close to like a ratio of like 10 compliments to one criticism, you're, you're great. 
you know, realistically, it's probably going to be more like five to one. You mean towards yourself? Towards yourself and then also what you're verbalizing. But when you start treating yourself and you start saying, you know, five or ten nice things to yourself before one criticism, you're naturally going to be more optimistic and more complimentary of the people around you. Hmm, I like that. I love that too. Yeah. Uh, James, I've been seeing you for a year and a half now. I know my tongue is perfect, but what would you say are my... I know I'm supposed to, I'm, here I go. I'm asking this in a negative way. I was going to say, well, what are my relationship hangups? What is, see, what's the positive? But nobody to... wants to hear how great I am. So what are my, <laughs> you've been seeing me for a year and a half. What are my relationship hangout, hangups despite my perfect tongue? <laughs> yeah, I, I think a big part of it is coming back to the present moment. And so when we come up like with a list of resentments and we hold on to the things, you know, if somebody did something two months ago or six years ago and we still hold on to that and we bring that into whatever moment it is, we're not really reacting to whatever the common trigger is. I do that a lot. I'll tell him about something and I'll be like, and this happened four months ago. Yeah. I do that, right? <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, you know, rarely is the fight actually about a bowl that's been left in the sink or a sock that didn't make it to the dirty basket. Uh, But it's all of the resentments that happened before then. I joke that clients have the resentment journal where they've just sat there and they logged all the like the horrible transgressions and the little things that someone did to make them uncomfortable. And so when you come into any relationship or any moment like that, it's a problem. And so I think that, you know, some of the stuff that we've worked on is trying to be really present um, and recognizing, you know, well, what actually happened in that interaction rather than, you know, what's the story that we're building behind it? He's changed my life. James is my guru. I do. I got to work. I got to work on staying in the moment, which also our other guru, our acting teacher has told me too. we're hearing the same thing from multiple people. This is something we we both should work on. I got to work on staying in the moment. You got to work on getting my tongue pink. No, and knowing your worth, <laughs> knowing my worth, which will in turn, I think, make my tongue better. You got it. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So very interesting fact about you, James. You apprenticed with a Native American shaman. Yes. Please yeah. tell us what that was like. Yeah. So this was crazy. So when I was like 15, um, when I was 15, I started seeing auras around people. Which was like, you know, it's like you know, people are glowing. Can you see it right now in us? It looks nice. Really? It's good here. Okay. No, I don't see auras so much like that anymore, but I do get a lot of impressions. Um, so I'll feel where someone's sort of energy is blocked or I'll feel things around them. But when I was 15, it was literally like, like you would see in the photographs. Um, and then I started having premonitions and like all sorts of crazy supernatural stuff started happening. It was really bizarre. But fortunately, my mom was awesome. And so she got me connected to this Native American shaman. And he was like, we have a whole tradition to support this. So rather than me feeling like I was crazy, I felt a little crazy. Um, I found myself with a mentor who was like, no, you your mom's awesome. This. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. Um, so then I started learning like ceremonies and, and how to ground that kind of energy work, which is phenomenal working with relationships because a lot of it is, you know, trusting what you're feeling. And so a lot of the stuff that I hear in my clinic, people, women come in and they're like, oh my God, this is so great to talk to you. I don't talk to anybody about this stuff. And what they are talking about there, what we're talking about is the energy. What are you feeling and what are you sensing? You know, what is that premonition? And so a lot of the work that I do with my clients is how do you differentiate between your intuition versus just your anxiety? Because sometimes that can get kind of confusing, especially if you haven't had any sort of mentoring or coaching like I did when I was younger about, you know, it's like, yeah, if you're feeling, if you go to the store and you're like, why am I buying a bunch of pickles? You know, and then you come home and Nick is like, oh my God, I wanted you to buy pickles and I can't believe that you felt that, you know, but you had to feel it, you had to recognize it and then move on it. And then if you're in the dating world, you know, you get these kind of senses all the time, but it takes some practice to to differentiate it. So you think we can all kind of channel these premonitions or like within all of us in a way? For sure. I think everybody's got it. It's just about are you in the, in the moment again? Uh, are you, is your mind still enough where you can sense it, where you can pay attention to it? And that's a lot of the work is to try to get out of this sort of anxious, you know, past focused or future focused to really feeling what, what's happening. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Last night I got Nick some candy and I wrote a little note. And I said, sweets for my sweet. And I left them on the counter. And he got home and he started eating them. He's like, oh, candy is exactly what I wanted. Amazing. Crazy, right? You're so in tune. Oh, my God. James has been, his work, his work is working on me. Um, I'm really excited because you recently launched an exclusive eight-week course called Holistic Mindset Coaching Program to Attract Extraordinary Relationships. Best title ever. Um, It's application-based only. 
and it's you're going to be helping women would will you accept men too or are you working mostly with women right now right now it's focused on women yeah um which i think uh, most of our listeners we got some men too but uh, sorry men you gotta wait if you wanna if you want james's expertise but you're basically gonna help women with their relationship issues and problems and uh tell me who are the ideal candidates and tell us more about the program yeah so this program i'm super excited because it's taken everything that i've learned in the last 13 years of clinical practice the last 20 years of energy medicine um and i've put it all together in this really compressed eight week sequence so it's ideal for somebody who's been out in the dating world but they just aren't getting the results that they want somebody who um says you know i just need to change my energy i don't know what i'm doing wrong we all have these blind spots um, but it's not a, a program. There's other dating programs and dating coaches that will copy edit your match.com profile. They'll hire uh, photographers for your headshot. That's not what I'm doing here. This is all about um, shifting your energy, getting you in touch and dialing in with your constitution, um, looking at your tongue. What are your, the strengths? What are the weaknesses? What are these blind spots? And how do we up level everything so that you can attract the relationship of your dreams? I love it. I I mean, I'm already in a relationship and I want to be in the program. (laughs) I think it's way more helpful than, uh, you know, yeah, like getting a photographer to take a professional photo for you for your dating profile because you don't look like that in real life. And at most and like, honestly, like at this point, like everyone can figure out how to take a good selfie. There's so many apps where you can just like touch up stuff on your own. You don't need to pay big bucks for that. But if you're working from the inside out. Yeah, you do need to get you're your like, mindset. You're setting a strong foundation. Yeah. So what type of things will you be doing over the eight weeks for any of our listeners that are interested? Yeah, so there's um, we do computer-based modules so they can learn on their own and you know follow the lessons. And then there's a weekly coaching call. So the lessons are really focused on you know things like the mindfulness exercises, getting you dialed into your constitution. How do you differentiate some of the anxiety, the intuition that we talked about? And then the coaching calls are great because that's where you get to troubleshoot you know, what's actually happening as you're implementing the stuff. So that can be everything from, oh my God, what's my purpose? to the guy texted me this, how do I respond? What did he mean? Um, and it's a, I have a lot of fun with it because, yeah, I'm like sensitive and a feely guy, but I'm also a dude in my late 30s. So we can get like the dude decoding while also saying, okay, well, what is your intuition telling you? How are you feeling there? And then, by the way, when he texted you that, he really meant something else. And luckily, I live in Williamsburg and I get to ask James these things every week. Uh, yeah, uh, it sounds so great. Um, I think this is going to be an awesome, exciting thing. I'm especially excited for the listener question portion of our episode, specifically because of what you said, not just the male perspective, but also all this good stuff. You're going to be giving really good advice I yeah, think, to, our, to our ladies. But for now, it is time for us to jump into what's in the news. Angela, what have you been reading about? I'm reading about why your phone might be ruining your relationship. And I identify very strongly with this piece. I found it on fatherly.com. And they talk about the phenomenon of fubbing. Do you guys know what fubbing is? No. No idea. I've never heard of that. It is a portmanteau of phone and snubbing. It's when you're snubbing your partner because you're looking at your phone. And according to two separate surveys of 453 adults. Wait, is this this like a phrase that that the author, this guy Mike... Pomerantz, did he like come up with the phrase fubbing or is this like a known phrase that I've just never heard of? I had never heard of it either. Um, but no, I don't. The author of this piece didn't come up with it. The actual like researchers at Baylor University that were doing God's work over there researching it came up with uh, fubbing. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, apparently fubbing, you can fub anybody, but if you add the extra P, that's when it applies to doing it in a relationship. I don't know why. But they, they found in this study that um, for, out of 453 adults conducted by researchers at Baylor University, ignoring your partner in favor of your phone will ruin your relationship and consequently your life. Um, but what were they researching? I don't know. I mean, duh. That seems like... They said what we discovered <laughs> was that when someone perceived that their partner fubbed them, this created conflict and led to lower levels of reported relationship satisfaction. I mean, I guess I understand that. Like, I've definitely been in conversations where Nick's like, tell me about his day. And I'm like, I'm, I think I'm listening. And I'm like, I'm listening. But I'm also like swiping through Instagram. And in his mind, like a couple times, this has happened a couple times. So now I've learned, but he's been like, you know what? I'll just tell you the story another time when you're not busy. 
That happens to me constantly. He's very like diplomatic about it. He says it like that. Like, I'll tell you the story when you're not busy. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not busy now. (laughs) I'm just like flipping through Instagram. (laughs) But it's true. Your full attention is not being paid and it's really just like the i I do that with you a lot actually because like i'll be telling you a story and you'll be like looking at your computer and i'll be like what are you looking at and i'll like lean over and you get kind of annoyed at me because you're like i'm working i have our i have i'm like have our emails up but for me i i'm kind of like a dude i need that like eye contact when i'm talking to someone i've also told you full stories that you haven't heard because you've been reading (laughs) i am totally (laughs) guilty of it too a hundred percent like we talked about on a recent episode a lot of times you're you you hate on things you do yourself exactly but yeah i definitely i am very guilty in my relationship looking at my phone like if if i've been out all day and then i come home i'm like oh let me catch up on what's happening in the world let me read all the news and then my boyfriend will want to talk to me and then he'll get angry that i'm not listening so i'll like ask him to repeat things i feel like you have an opinion on this james yeah, I mean, this is like from the Captain Obvious files, right? Yeah. Um, but there was a, I don't have it in front of me, but there was a study where these researchers were predicting um, how successful a relationship was going to be based on a partner's reaction to, I think what they call it was a call for attention. And this is like something as simple as like, let's say you're both in the house and there's a bird out the window and you were like, oh my God, look, it's a cardinal. And based on how your partner reacts to that, these pr- guys could predict uh, if that relationship was going to lead to, you know, happiness and fulfillment. Um, and so honoring all those little calls for attention is really important. I think they said if, if the, if the reaction was about 70% positive, 70% of the time they Were reacted they, in a favorable way. They looked way. at the Cardinal? Yeah, they got up and they were like, baby, that Cardinal's amazing. <laughs> or just even something like, yeah, baby, it's a, you know, it's a Cardinal again. Um, as opposed to just like continuing to look at Instagram and, and grunt. And ignore. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the problem with the phone is that we miss a lot of that stuff. You know, I mean, obviously there's no eye contact, um, but you're also just sort of totally zoned out to any kind of call of atten- for attention that your partner's making. That's yeah. fascinating. You actually gave me good advice on this once. I did. You did. Wow. What did I say? Do you remember? No. You said when you walk into the apartment at night, you, you need like, uh, what do you call it? Like transition time. Yes. You go in like a separate room to transition. And just labeling it that. I I read a study once that said like, I think, and I'm probably going to butcher the study, but like back in the day when like, you know, women were housewives and like (laughs) men went to work and they'd come home, the housewives would be like, come on, hi, like the kids, blah, blah, blah. And they'd like be really excited to like talk to their husbands. But like they had just been at work and they kind of needed what was like called transition time. And I, once I heard about this, it was like 15 minutes is what they need. I realize it's something I really need whenever I come home or between like, you know, doing things. But I I really need my transition time. And like when Nick used to paint at home and I'd come home, he'd be like, oh, hey, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, blah. And so I told him about this thing and I was like, I need my transition time. And it was like a way for him to like understand my needs in a way that wasn't rude for him to him and it was nothing personal and it wasn't me ignoring him because uh, he's definitely like his love language would be like spending time so a lot of times if he's like hey ready to watch tv show um i'm like and we maybe just finished doing something together i'm like i need some transition time and it's it basically means like i just need some time to myself and it's nothing personal i'm not trying to ignore you i think it's really kind of helped me not do that like i don't want to ignore him or not do the call to action when he needs his attention, but also I need my space sometimes. I think it's right. related. Yeah, totally. Because then once you've had your 15 minutes to like check your emails, maybe do whatever, then you can listen to their story and be totally focused. Yeah, exactly. I also notice like how whenever I would come home into the door, no matter what Nick's doing, if he's watching like a movie or a TV show, he'll stop the TV show, come out of the room to greet me. And I realized that like, I wasn't really doing that. And, and our dog was, (laughs) (laughs) so like our dog was running and like looking his face. And I was like, I was calling from across the room, like, Hey, you know, great to see you. And I realized like, he would get kind of like annoyed. He wouldn't really say it because he, I think he maybe felt stupid saying like, come greet me at the door. Like, <laughs> like a dog. Like a dog. <laughs> like, you know, feel or like, or like I do feels right. like a rude thing to ask. But I, I noticed that like for his needs, he really, you know, wanted to be like recognized when he came home and it was something he did for me. And I noticed like, I really liked it. So I've been, tr- I'm still, I'm not perfect at it is when I'm in the middle of something, I'm really in the zone and I like, don't like to be interrupted, but I've been trying to work on that where I like greet him at the door. 
I don't know. What are yeah, your thoughts on this? beautiful. I, I think it's great. You know, being clear about what you need, you know, so just telling him, hey, I need some transition time. And um, you set those boundaries and, and then you know that you're going to be able to be more present. And so it's like, hey, I totally love you. I'm into this. I just need a few minutes. And then when I come out here, I'm totally committed to being present and we can go over the day and whatever. Um, so I think that's beautiful. That's great. Yeah. The solution to fubbing is transition time. Have you been following that <laughs> advice? Um, I'm trying. I feel like it, when I when I first wake up in the morning, my like top priority is like catch up on all emails, just like a lot of phone time. So and like, you know, he wants to like, what do you want for breakfast? Let me cook your breakfast. I'm being so annoying. Let me make <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> I need transition time, housewife. <laughs> so it's it's a process. We're working on it. All right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. You want to know what I've been reading about? Yeah. What are you reading about? I've been reading the New York Times. This is a columnist. Jane Brody wrote an article about the right way to say I'm sorry. Um, now, saying I'm sorry, it sucks. So if you're going to go through the trouble to say you're sorry, you might as well not mess it up, guys. Right? Um, so she highlighted the one easy way to render an apology essentially like completely ineffective and it's using the word but as in i'm sorry but and then explaining like your side yeah um and so she says even when an apology is offered with the best of intentions it can be seriously undermined by the way in which it is worded instead of eradicating the emotional pain the affront caused a poorly worded apology can result in lasting anger and antagonism and undermine an important relationship So she talked about a book called Why Won't You Apologize? The psychologist and author Harriet Lerner points out that apologies followed by rationalizations, such as the word but, are never satisfying and can even be more harmful than not doing the apology at all. When but is tagged on to an apology, she wrote, it's an excuse that counters the sincerity of the original message. The best apologies are short. They don't include explanations that can undo them, nor should a a request for forgiveness be part of the apology. The offended party may accept a sincere apology, but still be unready to forgive the transgression. Forgiveness, should it come, may depend on a demonstration going forward that the offense will not be repeated. Um, And she said, uh, as to why many people find it hard to offer a sincere, unfettered apology, she points out that humans are hardwired for our defensiveness. It's very difficult to take direct, unequivocal responsibility for our hurtful actions. Um, And it's just like not wired in us. So I found this really interesting because I definitely know that I'm guilty of being of really thinking that it's going to help if I explain, you know, why I did the thing that I did. Do, do you find this a lot? Yeah, that's like saying like, uh, like, I'm sorry, you're such an asshole. <laughs> Just <laughs> yes, doesn't quite hit right. the doesn't quite hit the mark. Um, and so, yeah, taking accountability, keeping it short and sweet and letting go of this need to be right. This is something I see a lot with my clients. They're just so attached to being right. It's kind of like that idea of the resentments again, you know, they feel entitled to their resentments and, um, you know, a healthy relationship, you have to let that go. You know, you try to find that compromise. I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, I think it's natural to be like, oh, it'd be better if I explain myself and then it's usually not the other bad thing is when you say i'm sorry you feel that way (laughs) which is a way of apologizing for the other person oh and that's so demeaning (laughs) it's so demeaning it's being like what i did was fine but i'm sorry that it upset you it's so it's so patronizing it's like i'm sorry that you think such and such you know that you're such an idiot yeah, it's hard. a lot of people have a hard time apologizing. I had a friend call me recently to apologize for something that she did years ago that like got brought up, and uh, and she was like, "I'm really, you know, I'm sorry that I did that, but it was a different circumstance than basically." I'm trying to think of how I can say this without giving it all away. Basically, somebody had said something to her that was that was like kind of fucked up. And I reminded a mutual friend that she had done the exact same thing to me like three years ago. And I was like, that's called karma. You know, like the exact same situation. She's going through the exact same situation. And like she called. She was like, I forgot that I had done that. And now I'm going through it. And like, I want to say I'm sorry. But that situation was totally different because it wasn't nearly as bad. What I did to you wasn't nearly as bad as what's happening to me now. And I was like, are you apologizing or not? Um, Yeah. So anyways. But what she also said in the article was that an apology 
has the power to repair harm, mend relationships, soothe wounds, and heal broken hearts. An apology actually affects the bodily functions of the person receiving it. Blood pressure decreases, heart rate slows, and breathing becomes steadier, which is a lot of great reasons to apologize, which I thought, like, you're big on the mind-body connection, so I thought you'd find that interesting. Yeah, it totally takes somebody out of that fight or flight or that limbic response of, like, the, oh, my God, what's happening? And it shifts them into that what we call a parasympathetic, the more relaxed, calm state of being, you know, when you can get your blood pressure to relax and slow down and the breathing slows down, you know, it's like the whole weight of the, the, and the, across your neck and shoulders comes off. Um, and you can see someone when they actually receive a, a heartfelt apology, look lighter, you know, they stand a little taller, everything starts to shift. It's beautiful. Uh, guys, on that note, it is time for us to jump into the mailbox, but first let's take a moment to thank some of our sponsors. All right, Angela, what do we have in the mailbox this week for James to help us answer? Okay. Uh, First up, we have a question from Renique. Renique says, I'm 25 and living in L.A. My boyfriend of three years broke up with me 10 months ago because he wasn't ready for a serious relationship. She put that in quotes, which I love. He, quote, wasn't ready for a relationship. Well, I guess she put that in quotes because after three years, you would have thought he would have figured it out sooner. Yeah. Um, You think. You think. She says, I've had a really tough time with it because I thought he was the man I would marry. Immediately after the breakup, I got on dating apps and met a lot of guys and had random hookups. About, uh, after about six months, I got burned out and realized my life was falling apart. Now I'm in the rebuilding stage and I'm interested in dating again, but I'm not sure where to begin. I don't really have friends because they all know my ex and I can't deal with the reminder. So I don't really go out and the guys I meet from dating apps don't feel like a quality man. Uh, I work alone. So workplace romance isn't in the cards. How do I meet new guys? Also, should I even be trying to date again if I'm still hurting from my breakup? I still feel sad most days, but I feel like it's time to seriously move on. Yeah, there's a lot there. I think that the first place to start is for her to get really clear on what it is that she wants. There's no reason to go out and waste your time dating if you have no idea. You know, when she says, I don't know what, what I want or um, what I'm even looking for, you got to get clear on that. And so have fun with it. I mean, that's the best part is you get to go to your imagination dreamland. What's your ideal guy look like? What does he feel like? What, how does he treat you? What is, get really clear on that. And you can use the, the stuff that you learned from your previous relationship to get an extra clear, you'd be like, okay, I like that, but I didn't like that he wasn't able to commit. Or I didn't like that he, you know, didn't greet me at the door when I came home. And, you know, paint as clear a picture as you can about what you want. And then when you feel really good about that, then you start to go out. Um, I'm curious, do you have an opinion on, because I feel like we get this question a lot too, like, is there, uh, how soon is too soon after a breakup to start dating? Do you think that there is a set number of time? No, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think, um, it, I mean, every relationship is different. Sometimes people do need time to kind of like regroup, to go to a, a place of solitude, to break some of the monotony of the routine um, and really connect with themselves. But other people may have been in a relationship for a long time and felt more alone while they were in that relationship than they have when they were actually out of a relationship. And so if you get out of a, you know, you get in a breakup and you're eager to, to get back out there, I say go for it. Because the healing that, that people are looking for comes in relationship. And so you can do some of the work by yourself. But um, I think that if you get a really clear idea of where you want to be and what you're looking to call into your life, the time to start going out and acting on it is now. I love that. Cool. Not to get all secrety, but like Ooh. I used to joke when I met Nick, I was like, he was like molded out of my brain. Like in a freaky way. Like he looks. You manifested him. I, I swear to God, he's not a real person. No, because I was like, I want someone that's like into sports, but not like obsessively. And he like loves to watch his football. I'm like I want someone like creative and artsy. And he's like a painter who like likes, you know, producing different pro- projects. He like has got like the long hair. It physically looks exactly like my type. He like treats me better than like I'd ever been treated. He was like molded out of my brain. Not to say we don't have our, you know, I talk about like arguments or fights we have all the time sure. on here because no relationship is perfect. But like he was, I like knew what I wanted and he is was like, molded out of thin air 
Yeah, which is awesome. And so, and you hit on a great point where it's a great relationship isn't about avoiding conflict. In fact, um, part of the thing that, that the woman that wrote the email can start dreaming about is how do you want to resolve conflicts? What's the best way? Do you like to talk it out? Do you want to hug it out? Um, do you want someone who can address stuff more in the moment? Or do you like something where you can, you know, take some, a couple days to process and then come back? And so getting really clear, even on some of the stuff of how do we resolve conflicts and how do we feel about some, some of the harder stuff is really great. Although I'm sure, uh, I wonder if Nick would say the same about me. Probably not. I'm like, physically, I'm exactly what you want, right? You never dreamed of a Victoria's Secret model who... I mean, <laughs> your body's pretty fit, Laura. No, no, I'm, I'm sure it's great. You're Kristen Wiig's butt double, come right, on. Right, right. But I'm like, I'm exact. I'm also was created out of thin air for you, right? I'm just kidding. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> do, by the way, do we have any opinions on like, she says, where should I go to meet people that isn't like Tinder? I feel like I would encourage her maybe to join. I feel like we say this a lot, but it's like join, do an activity she's interested in. Also, because she says she doesn't have any friends right now. So I feel like it's just a good idea to go out and meet people that are like minded. Yeah, like, you go to like wine bars, vol- like volunteer, book clubs. maybe join a club. Yeah. yeah. Right? There's like a million places. That sounds great. I mean, group activities would be great for her. Because otherwise, if she gets in another relationship and then gets isolated or you get roped into his new group of friends, um, she's not creating you know a healthy boundary. Yeah, love it. What do we got next? Okay, now we have a question from Dana, and I've been saving this question for the right guests, and I think you might be the right guest, James, because you're both a man and a relationship expert. Okay, Dana says, I just recently purchased my first home. I have been in the process of saving and buying a home by the time I was 27 for the past two years, and I finally accomplished that goal. Awesome. Congrats. That's a huge accomplishment. Huge accomplishment. And she said it was a huge accomplishment for me. And since I did it entirely on my own, most people share that sentiment, except for men. She says, since I have purchased my home, I have had several men approach me and ask if I had something quote against men or if i was a lesbian i had one what? older that's so wait that doesn't make any sense i don't know where these people are coming from okay um she said i had one older gentleman tell me well good luck finding a man now you're too independent and not too many men will find that attractive so she wants to know is this true she says a little backstory on me. I am college educated. I have a career and a part-time job. I love making money. Uh, and I've only had one boyfriend in my life. I have been single for 10 years. I credit me being single for so long to my one and only ex-boyfriend doing extreme damage to my self-esteem. But I am 100% over that now. I am currently on Bumble and Tinder. But should I cut my losses? Is being too independent a thing? And do guys really not go for that? Ooh. Oh my goodness. James, you take this Woof. one. Ooh, there's a lot there. Yeah. Congrats on the house. Um, it's a great sorting mechanism. If there's a guy that comes into your life who's um, threatened by the fact that you own a house, then that's not the guy for you. You know, it's just that simple. Like, if that's a great uh, man deterrent, you know, for the men that you don't want, then awesome. Um, and then as far as. You know, the the breakup and the 10 years, you know, it's a long time. And and I think that men want someone who's independent, but you have to have that balance between being able to give and to receive. You know, so in Chinese medicine, we talk about balance all the time. That's the whole drive of the yin and yang. Um, and so the question is, you know, is she able to give herself uh, time to be open emotionally and spiritually to a relationship? A lot of times people hide behind their work. And so it sounds like maybe she did some of that with the breakup and um, and just trying to manage, you know, and you put it into great things. You earned all this money. You've bought a house. You've invested in yourself. It's phenomenal. Um, but there is a risk to being more vulnerable and being more open. You know, the, the, the goals that people want in their life, especially in relationships, are going to be outside of their comfort zone. And so it can be easy to hide behind work and because you get celebrated. Oh, my God, like what you've accomplished and you've done all this and that and the other. Um, but, you know, the, the question is also how soft can you be, how open and how vulnerable can you be as long as, you know, you're in a safe place, too. I love that. I, I know when I was like single for a number of years, I would notice when I would go out with guys, I was used to like always taking control when it came to my friend groups. I would like take control. Like I would decide like this is what we're going to eat and this is what we're doing. And uh, and like I would open the door and like, oh, I don't need you to pay for the cab. And like just very like dominating in the in the relationship, which like we're feminist women. We're like all about being independent. But I just realized like I wasn't 
letting him like own any of the relationship or like letting like guys be the man like they wanted to open the door and like they like I, I should let them choose the the restaurant but at that time I was like a I was an events reporter so I was always inviting them to these like really cool events and and uh and like I felt like oh I'm gonna like you know, by showing off that will make them think I'm cool. And it kind of worked the opposite. Like they kind of like hurt their masculinity, I think a little bit in the sense that they, they like, you know, they didn't, they didn't get to like own anything. Like I was planning everything. I was doing everything. I was inviting them to everything. And it took number one, meeting Nick who wasn't hurt. Like his masculinity didn't get hurt by like me going to these cool things. And also he didn't really want to go to them. So he, he wasn't like a hanger on her. And I, at that point had realized like I need to let the guys make some decisions or let them own part of the relationship, I guess. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's like give and take. Like I think you don't have to totally stop like making plans, but it's just keep in mind, be aware that sometimes they might want to make a plan Yeah, and make the conscious decision to back off a little. Yeah. So like I would say like for any guy that doesn't want that thinks her owning a house makes her too independent like those guys suck and you need to stay away from them yeah to be clear we all agree i think that it is not unattractive that you own a house right i would date you yeah but i would say like maybe it honestly has nothing to be with like not owning the house kind of like what james is saying i think it's that maybe it's in other ways that you don't realize that you're giving off the vibe that you're like you don't want anybody and that it's not that they're turned off by your independence. It's maybe that without realizing it, you're projecting someone that doesn't actually want to let somebody else into their life. Thousand percent. Yeah. That's really well said. So anyways, um, well, good luck. Let us know what happens. Both of you guys, both Renique and Dana, uh, if you guys want your listener questions answered or if you have funny text messages from an app you want to share, email us at contact at thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. You can also find our contact info on our website, thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. Now it's time for us to dive into our reason of the week. This week's reason is focus on your intentions. Which has been like an undercurrent theme of this entire episode, yes. I would say. Um, yeah, I would say like kind of like James it sounds like it's like a lot of your philosophy that people just need to know what they want and they'll attract it in their life was that what you would what does focus on your intentions mean to you yeah that's a that's a good way to say it and I think um one of the questions that I hear a lot is um how soon is too soon to have sex with somebody and that's a great part where it's like um you know well what's your intention you know, what is the energy that you're bringing to that? Are you bringing, are you, are you showing up, um, and having sex because you want to be loved or because you're afraid that if you don't put out, then you're not going to be liked, or are you waiting because you enjoy the chase and the game? Um, I don't really care what you do as long as it's, you know, ideally it's going to be, uh, in accordance with your authentic self, but to be really clear on what's the intention, you know, or like, how long do I wait before I text back? It's like, well, what's the purpose? You know, are you trying to play a game? Cause that's probably what you're going to get back. I love that. So it's not necessarily the action. It's the intention behind it because people can feel that and they can feel that energy. I think so. Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe that. That's yeah. I mean, I've, I've always like kind of tried to explain it, but not in, not in that like eloquent of a way. I've been like, just be calm. If you want to sleep with a guy, just like be confident about it and, and make it <laughs> your, it for you and do it for you and make it your decision, yeah. which is kind of like it supports the same thing where it's the intention if you are going to sleep with someone soon and be confident and do it for you is that your intention is because you want to do it and you're like attracted to this person and like you're feeling like energetically um that there's like chemistry and you're like ready to hook up with them and you're not doing it for like game reasons i guess right. i mean I, honestly you can just apply that to pretty much all decision making you make in life right like it's not just romantic for you and i too it's true. In our, in our professional lives. Yeah. I mean, I, one of the exercises I tell my clients to do is um, imagine that whoever you're interacting with can feel your intention or if they could like read your thoughts, not just what you say, but because I do believe that most people are, I think everybody's actually sensing that. And some people are going to be really conscious of that. I had one client who was talking about taking care of her mom. This is about relationships, but she was taking care of her mom or her mom was in a nursing home and she was really stressed out because she was like, I'm the only one of my siblings that will call and check in on my mom. And she goes, sometimes I just really don't want to do it. It's really annoying. And I was like, imagine if your mom felt your intention. 
what is that like for her to pick up that phone and to feel you calling out of obligation as opposed to love? I mean, it is sort of, it's a weird love thing. And I said, but maybe if you only called your mom twice a week instead of every day, but every time you called her, you were super stoked. Maybe that would change the whole dynamic and that your mom would get more from that every other day or every third day phone call than from an everyday kind of grind that you didn't really want to be a part of. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And on the other end, yeah, like I, you can totally, when you're on the other end of a conversation like that, you know, when a person is like asking you about how your day was, like if they really care or not, like you can feel that. And then you're, you answer accordingly. Yeah. Well, you're a mama's girl. You call your mom every day, but you want to. I mean, me and my mom are great. great. (laughs) Uh, On that note, it is time for our reason of the week. Breakdown. James Rohr is our relationship guru slash sensei. He's changed my life. He can change yours too. But right now, we want to test out his knowledge of other gurus in a game we call Guru, guru or, or Corinne, Corinne from the, the Bachelor. Bachelor. We are going to read you a quote, and you have to tell us if it's a quote that was said from a guru or reality star and most disliked person on television, Corinne <laughs> from The Bachelor. Uh-oh. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, Angela, take it away. Okay. Was this Corinne or a guru? Think like a queen. A queen is not afraid to fail. Failure is another stepping stone to greatness. Mm, I'm going to go with Corinne. That was Guru Oprah. It was Oprah. (laughs) The ultimate guru. The ultimate guru. The ultimate guru. Next up. I'm the queen. That's got to be Corinne. That is Corinne. Similar. Yeah. Similar to Oprah. Oprah Oprah says, think like a queen. Corinne says, I am the queen. All right. Uh, Okay, next. I'm a corn husk. You got to peel all the layers back. And in the middle is the luxury, yellow corn. With all these pellets of information and it's juicy and buttery, you want to get that corn. Oh, my God. I hope that's Corinne. It's the Dalai Lama. No, it's Corinne. It was Corinne. She's the worst person. Oh, that's Uh, amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Next up. A good friend who points out mistakes and imperfections and re-books evil is to be respected as if he reveals the secret of some hidden treasure. Ooh, that's that's profound. That's got to be a guru. That would be the Dalai Lama. Nice. That was the Dalai Lama. That was profound. Yeah, big hitter. Um, You're good at this. All of these should be like stitched on pillows. Yeah, exactly. Including I think Corinne tw- right now you're three out of four. Pretty good. Okay. Happiness is when you think what you say and what you do are in harmony. Oh, that's got to be a guru. All right. Gandhi. Gandhi. Good old Gandhi. Nice. <laughs> um, all right. Next up. I'm intelligent in my own way. Is intelligentsy a word? <laughs> Bachelor. <laughs> I thought you were going to fool him with your delivery. I tried. I really <laughs> tried with my profound delivery, but it didn't work. Okay. Uh, my heart is gold, but my vagine is platinum. <laughs> uh, Corinne. <laughs> You're really good at this game. Wow. We're, we're moving <laughs> through these the quick. <laughs> Thanks for the softballs. <laughs> All right. We only have a... Uh, I tried to search for like uh, seeds of wisdom from Corinne, but it was hard. All right. But maybe this last one's from her. We'll see. When you struggle with your partner, you are struggling with yourself. Every fault you see in them touches a denied weakness in yourself. Guru. Deepak Chopra. Good old Deepak. He knows his gurus. All right. You only got one wrong. You only got one wrong. But it was Oprah who I I think would be deeply offended. Well, yeah, but she's also kind of borderline guru. She's a guru, according to us. Right. Um, well, that was, that was great. great. You were getting an A plus on the game. Um, guys, we hope we have cleared up this week's reason. That is it for this week's This Is Why You're Single podcast. Check out our book, This Is Why You're Single, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our audiobook on Audible. Thank you so much to our guest, James Rohr. If you are interested, you can email him and apply for his eight-week course, which will change your life, I promise. You can go to James Rohr, that's James R-O-H-R dot com. J-A-M-E-S-E. Oh, there's an E in the middle. No, 
Yeah, no, James E. Roar. James E. Roar.com. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and you can also, do you want to give people your email or what other plugs should we tell people about? Uh, Instagram, James E. Roar. Pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah, this, this should do it. Go to the website and you get all the information there and you can uh, find me that way. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for giving us a free tongue. Yeah. I feel like this is good now. My analysis. I have something to work on. Oh, I have one more thing on. Uh, I have a Facebook group called The Art of Attracting Extraordinary Relationships. You can get there from the website. Um, just about every Tuesday, I do post pictures of tongues and give a breakdown. So, oh, cool. Thing, oh. If you're into it, you should go there and check it out. A lot of good, good content in that group. Oh, that's, great. that's so awesome. I can just find a tongue that looks like my tongue and then we'll break it get down. Get the full breakdown. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. That's, that's I love so that. Cool. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Well, you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Maybe we'll post pictures of our tongues at some point. Uh, I'm at Sparedactyl. Laura is. I'm just Laura Lane on Twitter and Laura Lane Rad on Instagram. And we are both at your single show on Twitter and Instagram. You can like and subscribe on iTunes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. That was a headgum podcast.